Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome back to the sanctuary. We're so glad to be here in the house of the Lord. What a beautiful day it is that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Would you take just a moment where you're at at home and just begin to rejoice in the Lord and thank Him for His goodness. Thank Him for His loving kindness and His tender mercy. Would you do that right now? God is so good to us. We love you and we bless you, Jesus. For there is none like you in all the earth, Lord. You are God all by yourself. You stand all by yourself, and we love you and we bless you. God, you are so good, and we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, normally at this part of the service, I would tell you, you may be seated or something like that, but uh, you're probably already seated if I had to take a guess, more than likely. Uh, If you're not, thank you for worshiping with us at home. Thank you for allowing us just a few moments to come into your world tonight, into your home, uh, your workplace, wherever you may be right now. And uh, we're very honored at the opportunity to be with you. Amen. God has been so very good to this church. And uh, we are doing our very best right now to uh, try to stay connected with you as much as we can. And uh, we certainly don't want to blow up your social media feed, but we want to stay connected with you. And that is our goal over the next several days until we can get back to normal. I know I can't see your hands right now, but I just wonder how many of you are ready to be back in the house of the Lord. Amen. I know I am. It can't get here quick enough. Praise God. I am going to draw my text tonight from the book of Daniel, from the book of Daniel chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to talk to you for just a few moments. Uh, Again, there are are a lot of questions that are being asked right now in uh, this time in our nation and globally. Um, I know sometimes when people get their backs up against the wall, they'll ask some silly questions. But I want to deal with just one that I heard this week. And I cannot get it out of my mind. It seems like. Every time I turn the corner, I hear the echo of the question. And the question uh, was that when this, uh, this virus hit our country, um, I heard the question asked, where is God now? Where is God now? What happened to your God now? Can he deliver you now? You know, this is uh, one of those things that, uh, I don't think man will ever uh, understand the fullness of God. The scripture says that as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above ours. He is a God that is not limited to time and space like we are. And um, he knows all kinds of things. But there, there are certain times in our lives that God allows us to walk through things uh, so that he can show himself mighty at the end. When Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, they began to ask questions, mocking and scoffing him. And they said, surely if he is who he says he is, he could call a legion of angels right now. And he could call himself down off of that cross. And you know what? He could have. He absolutely could have called a legion of angels and came down off the cross. But without the cross, we could have never experienced the resurrection power of Jesus The word of the Lord says that if you have faith as of a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. But you know what? I've had to climb some mountains that I wanted moved. And the mountain stayed right there. 
And so in times of mountain climbing and darkness, people will start asking questions like, where's your God now? Where is he in the midst of all this? And so I want to just draw your attention uh, very quickly, if I could, from the book of Daniel, chapter 1. And uh, I'm not going to read a whole lot. I'm just going to talk to you from, uh, from this chapter. But uh, the, the scripture begins to tell us that uh, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. He brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish. They were righteous, no blemish. They were well-favored. They were skillful in all wisdom. They were cunning in knowledge and understanding, science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel, Belteshazzar, unto Hananiah of Shadrach, to Mishael he called Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. So these are four young men that uh, were mentioned specifically from the Hebrew uh, nation that was brought into Babylon. But there was something so powerful about the conviction that was in the hearts of these men that they were not affected, although I'm certain in private they dealt with thoughts, they dealt with fears, uh, they dealt with trepidation on a daily basis, yet they were not affected by the pressure of the world. For verse 8, it said, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And so I want to talk to you tonight about where is God now? Where is God now? This story is uh, familiar to all who have studied biblical history of the nation of Israel and how that God had brought them out of Egypt and then ultimately uh, they end up back in Babylonian captivity and exile and they're there for 70 years. But I think sometimes we have a misunderstanding as to the nature of God because we believe that the presence of God means the absence of trouble. That God has somehow disappeared off the scene because there is trouble in paradise, if you would. But these three young men that uh, we refer to often uh, by their given name that was given to them in Babylon of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they found out very quickly that if you're going to make a stand for the Lord, it's going to cost you something. You know, I think there is a principle that if we're not careful, we'll bypass in this story 
The king told them, whenever you hear the music begin to play, I want you to bow down. Now here's a little something that you cannot miss. Everybody else was bowing down. But just because everybody else bows down, it doesn't make bowing down right. It was in times of pressure that their faith was tested. It was in times of pressure that their true nature begins to be revealed and exposed to all those that were around them. Church of the living God, I'm telling you right now that the true nature and power of the church is not proven in the heat of revival when we're in a power pack meeting and the church is full wall to wall and we're here every night but the power of the faith of the church will be tested when our back is against the wall and there's nobody there to root us on and there's nobody there to dance with us and there's nobody there to clap with us I'm telling you right now you've got to have something in your heart that will last you through the fire and so we are told a very, very familiar story here. I don't, I don't want to stay on here for very long because we are familiar with the story, uh, if you have studied at all, uh, about is, uh, the, the Hebrew history in the Old Testament. And so the story is that the king told them to bow down. They would not bow down when everybody else did. I'm serving notice tonight to the enemy that for this assembly right here, Anderson, Indiana, 630 West 53rd Street, we will not bow down. We are not going to bow down. It does not matter what happens, what pressure comes against us. We are not bowing down. We are not just a revival church because we like to have church. We are a revival church because it's our mandate. It's what God has called us to do. So in the meantime, we got to keep on reaching, keep on teaching, keep on loving, keep on inspiring, keep on lifting each other up. I believe that tonight. Amen. So they're told to... Uh, to bow down to the sound of the music. And of course, we understand in the story that they did not bow down. And so uh, the king gets just a little upset with them. And he comes back and he says, hey, t- tell those guys, they-, they really just need to play along. You know, that's kind of the spirit of the age. Let's just go along to get along. Let's just do whatever we have to do to get along with one another. And so uh, they come back and say, hey, look, the king's the, the king sent us some threats your way. If you don't bow down, then uh, he's, he's going to turn up the heat on you. And, and I, don't, I don't think you want that. I, I really don't think you want that. Do you understand tonight that uh, the, first, the first attack that came against, I believe, people in the United States of America uh, and globally over the last several weeks was a spirit of fear? A spirit of fear. We don't really fear what we know. We fear what we don't know. We fear what we cannot see. And so uh, they came threatening these three Hebrew boys with something, a place they had never been before, with a heat that they had never understood before. And you would think that would be a fantastic time for them to just sit down and say, you know what, everybody else is bound down. So I think, guys, we ought to have a staff meeting here and talk about this. And the best thing we should, that we could do is just bow down and quit and stop. And uh, let, let's, let's just throw in the towel and quit and do what everybody else is doing. But there uh, in, in this story is something that I want to convey to you some way, somehow tonight during this broadcast. And it is very simply this. That when the king finally came and sent his men to them and said that if you do not bow this time, we're going to put you in the fiery furnace. And then they asked this question. They said, is your God able to deliver you now? In other words, they said, where is your God now? Where did he go? 
Where is your God now? What are you going to do with the circumstance? What are you going to do with the fear? Because right now, your reality says that the odds are against you. Your reality says that your new normal, this is how life is going to be. But there was something down inside of those boys that said, you change my normal if that's what you think you've got to do. Change my surrounding. Threaten me. But I will not let fear make me bow down. Amen. I will not let fear make me bow down. And so when they asked him, they said, is your God able to deliver you? They said, we're not going to give you a quick answer. We're not going to be quick to answer you in this matter. Now, this is a moment of faith that I feel like sets an absolute precedent in the scripture. And I'm really surprised that these three boys didn't make it and face Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11 just for this one statement right here. I think it's so powerful. When they looked back at those men, understand the spirit of fear had to be incredible around them. I mean, goodness gracious, they're outnumbered by everybody that's around them. The furnace is getting hot seven times hotter, as a matter of fact. Can you imagine things getting seven times worse than they are right now? The epidemic, the pandemic, the fear, the chaos. I mean, goodness gracious, if it gets seven times worse, we'll never buy toilet paper again. It's never going to happen. And so uh, they said to turn it up seven times hotter. And I love this statement. I believe that in the lowest days of my life, I've had to grab hold of this statement without uh, imagining the fear that they were facing when they said, Our God is able to deliver us. But if he does not deliver us, we still will not bow. I'm telling you, they did not learn that principle in the heat of the moment when the pressure was on them. This was something they had to purpose in their heart before they got to the trouble. And I'm reaching to somebody tonight to tell you that when you walked into the trial that you're facing right now, you have to have something that's settled down deep inside your heart that regardless of what comes my way tomorrow, I am a child of God and I refuse to bow down. Go ahead. Turn up the heat. Try your very best to make us afraid. But we will stand in the face of adversity. If you believe it, shout amen right where you are right now. Praise God. So, they come and they grab these boys and they throw them into the fire. And all of a sudden, the king just about falls to his knees. When he asked the question to his servants, how many did we throw in the fire? Well, of course, my Lord, we threw three in the fire. He said, well, there's a problem going on because we threw three in the fire, but there is a fourth man that's in the fire and he's likened unto the son of man. So to answer the question for all of those that were wondering, is your God able to deliver you now? Or should we say it like this? Where is your God now? What's happened to your God now? Those boys that were willing to stand by faith found out 
that God was hiding in the fire. That God was waiting for them in the middle of the test. So I say to this world that's wondering about the church right now. Where is God now? I'll tell you where he is. He's right in the middle of the fire with us. He's right here in the middle of the trouble with us. I'm preaching to somebody in Jesus' name. I refuse that spirit of fear. You are not alone. You are not by yourself. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. I dare you to declare that right now. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I will not be afraid of the arrow by day. I will not be afraid of the terror by night. So go ahead and ask me the question, where is your God now? I'll tell you where he's at. The longer you stand, you're going to find out you will never stand alone. He is always standing with us. Hallelujah. Now, in the book of Job, I could, I could continue in the book of Daniel, so powerful about Daniel himself. Daniel found out where God was. He was in the lion's den with him. But Job is a powerful story in the scripture, a man that was upright. Notice, notice the, uh, the similarities of these two stories. These are good people. These are godly people. But they're going through some things, righteous people. But they're going through some struggles. And so... Uh, Job is, is feeling a little bit of pressure here and, and uh, his wife has been pushing him to curse God and die and his closest of friends have been telling him, you know what, man, you're acting like a big dummy. You've lost everything. You've got nothing else to lose. Just, just sit down. And so Job kind of tests the water a little bit and he said, he said I, I walked forward but I couldn't find him. And he said, I reached out to the right hand and I couldn't find him there and, and the left. And he said, I, I've, I've looked everywhere but I just can't find him. And today I cracked open my Bible and I began to read through the story of Job. And all of a sudden, I got to the 38th chapter. And, and I just about had a fit because I felt like God was going to use this to speak to somebody tonight and help you. In Job, the 38th chapter. Job, chapter 38 and verse number 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Job said, I'm in trouble, man. I'm confused. It's like my life has turned into a whirlwind. I don't know whether to look to the right or to the left. I've tried to find him. I've searched for him. I cannot find him. I cannot see him. I don't know what else to do. And all of a sudden, out of the whirlwind of chaos, there came a voice unto Job that was a voice of familiarity. Even in the whirlwind, there was a calm that came to Job. So you ask me tonight, where is God now? I'll tell you where he is. He's in the whirlwind of our lives. Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. He said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. I love this chapter. So powerful. He said, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? He said, Go ahead, Job. Declare if thou hast understanding. 
He said, while everybody's asking you, Job, where am I at? Where is your God at? He said, let me ask you a question. Were you there when I laid the foundation of the world? Because everything that you're going through right now, I'm still sitting on my throne. And I'm strong enough to know that you're in the fight of your life. But I'm not going to leave you alone, Job. I am right here in the whirlwind. Right here in the whirlwind, God is reaching for somebody tonight on this broadcast that feels like your life is in a furnace that's turned up hotter than you have ever imagined and you're facing uh, circumstances that you never dreamed that you would be facing. Some of you feel like you're in the middle of a whirlwind. Well, I want to tell you tonight, he's in the fiery furnace. He's in the whirlwind. He is in the wilderness. And man, he's there in the time of trouble. The psalmist said it like this. He said, if I ascend into the highest of heavens, thou art with me. And if I make my bed in the lowest of hell you are with me I feel like telling somebody tonight that the heavens are still his throne and the earth is still his footstool I believe it with all my heart amen I believe it with all my heart tonight I think sometimes we get spoiled rotten as the children of God we get spoiled and we think that God is only there When we're in the middle of an 11-week revival and people are praying through and getting the Holy Ghost. Well, I want to tell you tonight that revival hasn't stopped around here. I'm still in revival. This church is still in revival. Hey, man, this city is still in revival. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I feel like we're in a whirlwind. But I know I can find him in the whirlwind. I feel like the heat's been turned up on the church in this hour. But we're going to keep on standing because I believe he's in the furnace. I heard a pastor this week that was asked on a national platform. There was some uh, controversy surrounding his stance on being the church. And he was given a national platform to take a stand and tell what he felt. And his response was very simple. He said, I have been given a mandate to preach the gospel. Why does that matter? Because the gospel is the only thing that's going to fix this world. People are so focused right now on the pandemic that we've forgotten about the epidemic. And the epidemic is that we as a nation have forgotten God. We have forgotten our first love. And sometimes in order for God to restore some things in his church, he's got to take some comforts away from us. God, in order to reveal his true power and authority to us, has to get us to fall out of love with some of the other things that we have fallen out of love with. I've been preaching to this church for several years now that there there may very well come a day that we can't meet on a regular basis like we've wanted to meet on a regular basis and my statement to you then is the same statement as it is tonight if you won't serve the Lord while you can you sure won't serve the Lord while you can't so what I believe God is calling us to in this hour you say pastor do you mean that you feel like God did this no I don't feel like God did this but I feel like he's in it come on somebody I wish I could hear you tonight Hey man, I believe God's talking to somebody right where you are right now. I don't believe God was the cause for this, but I do believe he's the cure for this. Come on now. So, in this time where we are so uncertain about tomorrow, 
I'm reaching out to somebody in Jesus' name tonight to encourage you to just hold on. It's going to get better. Amen. We, we used to sing a song when I was a boy that said, we will understand it better by and by. I don't know what's going to happen over the next several days, but I do know this, that when the Lord comes back, he's coming back for a church triumphant. He's coming back for a church that has made herself ready. You know, I, I know we've been preaching about the coming of the Lord for years and years, and we've been preaching about tribulation and all those things for years and years, and I'm not saying, please don't, don't misunderstand me or misquote me. I do not believe that this is the beginning of seven years or three and a half years, however you want to believe it. Uh, but I'm saying to you that I do believe that there has been a test run that has happened over the last couple of weeks where God is testing some people in this hour to see how much it really means to us. How much do you really, really love me? How much do you really want to be my bride? You know, we, we, we look at all the end time events that are coming. We read Revelation. We read Daniel. We, we can read all of those things. We, we have preached and preached and preached uh, for over 100 years in the United States of America and 2,000 years in the church concerning the mark of the beast and all these things that are coming. And everybody's got their eyes on it looking for that barcode that's coming on. You know what? I don't believe it's going to be that obvious to us. I don't believe they're just going to throw it on us one day and get on the international news and say, hey, guess what? This week, the mark of the beast is coming. So you can either take it or don't take it. You know how it's going to happen? It's going to happen when people get so desperate that they start sitting down when they should have stood up. I believe it with all my heart that God is getting his people ready. The word of the Lord said that if he does not shorten or hasten the time of his coming, that the very elect would be deceived. So what I'm saying to you is you better put on your seatbelt, pull your bootstraps up, because the Lord is coming back. And when he comes back, I don't want him to find me down on my face, bowing to the music of this world. I want to stand up and declare it, that we've got faith enough, we've got grace enough, we've got power enough. We're going to make it through this thing in Jesus' name. Amen. As I come to a close tonight, I want to reach out to you and tell you that if you have not repented of your sins and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, we've got water up here tonight and would love to baptize you in Jesus' name. If you have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can receive it right now, right where you're sitting in your home. I believe it right now. You can raise your hands and begin to call on the name of the Lord. And I believe that the Spirit of God can feel you right where you are. I would not be one bit surprised if you don't begin to speak in other tongues as the spirit of God gives the utterance what are we going to do pastor what are we going to do we're going to find him in the furnace we're going to find him in the whirlwind I'm not asking him to take me out of the furnace I'm asking him to stay in the furnace with me now I'm finished I want to tell you the power of the story in Daniel 1 I want to end where I started the power of the story is not just that he was with them in the fire. But when they came out of the fire, it is said of the three Hebrew boys that they did not even smell like smoke. 
And the only thing that was burned off of them, hear me well tonight, the only thing that was burned on their body were the ties that had their hands bound up when they walked into the furnace. I'm prophesying in the name of Jesus and telling somebody, you're going to come out of this thing and you're not going to be burnt. You're going to come out of this thing and you're not going to smell like smoke. But the things that had you bound before we walked into this trial are going to be laying at your feet. I need you to believe it with me tonight in Jesus' name. Right where you are, I'm asking you to stand to your feet and lift your hands to the Lord if you can. If you're seated right now, I just want you to lift your hands to Jesus. God, we need you right now to speak to us. Lord, your word has been crystal clear that you're coming back for a bride that's without spot or blemish. That you're coming back for a church that has made herself ready. I plead the blood of Jesus over our church family tonight. I plead the blood of Jesus over all that are watching us right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over the United States of America and our leadership, God. I plead the blood over this nation and this world. God, let this be a catalyst for the greatest revival we have ever seen in our lives. In the name of Jesus, if you've got to turn up the heat, then turn up the heat, but stay in the furnace with us. We love you and we honor you, God. Thank you for joining us tonight. I love you and I appreciate you. I will see you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. May the Lord richly bless you.